Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. God tells us not just who we think we want to be seen as, but who we really are. And that's good. That's good for us. Because as we dine on that and we, we get built up and encouraged, there's a washing of the water of the word that happens. Our minds and our hearts can be cleansed. We can be renewed in our, in our journey with the Lord through the nutrition that comes from, from the word. We need it. Read, you know, 119th Psalm. It's all about God's Word and the benefits that come from God's Word. Because it is a battle zone. Let's talk about that. In chapter 11, verse 1, it happened in the spring of the year. At the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. So a couple of things as we get into these thoughts tonight, because we've got a, a few things we want to talk about regarding this. I think it's a, an appropriate message for today. I think it's, it's something we need to know about. I think it's something that we need to be clear about as Christians. I think this is really, really important. And one of the things is, is that the decisions that we make, all of us, that we make on a daily basis affect us. They affect us. They affect other people around us. So our decisions, we need to be prayerful. We need to hear from the Lord, and we want to get good guidance. And so hopefully tonight this will help kind of set the pace for what that might look like in, in receiving good guidance. One of the things that you notice, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. David's a king, certainly. He's been engaged in a lot of different battles, hasn't he? He's 50-some years old at this point. He's been engaged in a lot of battles. And he's decided for himself, hey, you know what? I deserve a break today. I deserve a break this, this battle season. Kings often, they just had a time where, you know, the, the, if they went out earlier in the season, it's too muddy and all the equipment, the horses, the chairs, everything gets stuck in the mud. And, and so they just they, there was kind of a fighting season. Man, whatever you want to think of that, that's just the way it rolled. They had a season when they would go out and engage in, in warfare. And this season has come. And instead of staying in the battle, because everything that subsequently happens from verse 2 on through the end of chapter 12, and then it goes on for years, but the subsequent events that occurred would not have occurred. Listen, brothers and sisters, this is important to you. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, it's time to listen up and tune in and hear what the Lord would speak to you. This is important, important stuff because every one of us will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day and every one of us, every one of us 
have to understand the reality of the warfare that we're engaged in. No one's exempt. You can try and sign off on it and get away from it, but it's not possible. We are in it. Whether you defer away from it, it affects you, the people around you and all that, but it doesn't change God. God's God without you or me. God's still God. God doesn't need us. God's God. He loves us. He wants to hang out with us, but he doesn't need us. It's a different, I desperately need God. You desperately need God. That's the radical thing about God. And he wants to hang out with all of us, but he doesn't need us. I need him. And one of the things that he's designed in our world is that there is spiritual warfare. It exists. It's real. It goes on. It's happening all around us all the time. At this point in time, everything that goes on, if David would have stayed, this is the important thing to listen to, stayed engaged in the battle, every issue that happens subsequently from verse 2 on, the Bathsheba incident and everything, we'll talk about this later, not tonight, but all of the things and the subsequent issues that happened from all of that that went on for years and years after would not have transpired if he would have stayed in the battle. Christian, stay in the battle. I've got a kid that's going wayward. Get on your face. Acknowledge before the living God that that kid's going sideways. Don't deceive yourself. Don't talk yourself into, oh, well, you know, it's just a phase. It's just a thing. No, if they're in sin, pray for them regarding the sin. Don't coddle it. Call it what it is. Love them enough to intercede on their behalf and pray for them. Be real with God. God wants to be real with you, and God wants to do a work in these matters. But be real about it and fight for their soul. It matters. Eternity's forever and ever and ever. It's irretrievable when you leave the planet. If you leave the planet without God, you cannot go back on it. The thing that I'm so concerned about is I see Christians all over the place just sitting on the sideline and just thinking, oh, that's somebody else's battle. No, it's not. If you're just sitting and you're not engaged in the warfare, you are ultimately prey for the enemy. That's exactly what happened. David remained at Jerusalem. He didn't stay in the battle. I want to spend a little bit of time and talk a little bit about the battle so you know exactly what I'm talking about so there will be no confusion about what that means. I have no desire and there's no intent in this to give any credit to the enemy at all. This right now, what we're going to talk about absolutely clarifies some things about how the enemy operates. And if you know how the enemy operates, you can deal with it accordingly. You can set up... David took steps, made decisions that led him to falling. Can you fall into sin, really, in that sense? You can trip, you can take a fall, all that stuff, but you have to be walking in a direction, don't you? So there were choices that were made that led to the downfall. And we've got to talk about that a little bit and think about that. This is so serious to me because... He didn't stay engaged in battle. He decided, I deserve to kick back. I deserve to just rest. Let some other people do that. The thing is, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. I don't think that's what we see through the scriptures, through the New Testament believers. 
that we would identify with specifically as New Testament believers ourselves, we don't see that happening. We see all of the 12 apostles ultimately losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. Many of the followers lost their lives for the sake of the gospel in the early days. Many were killed, many, many, great numbers, massive numbers were killed during the first century of the church, thrown in with the lions and made spectacle of. The martyrdom was unbelievable. And it's because it's the truth. Because what you and I believe today, it is the truth. And they knew it was the truth, and they were not willing to recant an inch on that, a speck. They believe it, they knew it, and they were willing to give their life rather than recant any of it. That's radical. It validates for you and I the truth, really. And it amplifies the reality of the warfare. The warfare is just different. Right now, a lot of the warfare is our time. That's a lot of the warfare. And how you're going to use your time. David decided he, he deserves just kick back. I don't need to stay engaged in things. It's just, you know, I'll just kind of autopilot and cruise. No worries. But man, the trouble that came wasn't acknowledging the type of battle and the type of ways the enemy might work. So, to begin with, let's start from the biblical perspective. What uh, are the three main enemies of the Spirit's work in your life and in my life? There's three main and simple, straightforward stuff. Three main enemies, biblically speaking, of the Spirit's work within our lives. One, the first one, we have Satan the enemy, Satan himself. Along with Satan, we have the fallen angels, the demonic forces. So that's, that's the first grouping. Satan, and you remember, one-third of the angelic being that fell with Satan are the demonic forces that are at work. So Satan and his henchmen in that sense. Ephesians, I'm going to cite these. If you want to write them down, if you can look them up fast, that's awesome. If not, that's Great, just I'd write them down so you can look them up later. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God, Paul says, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So this is clearly the demonic forces that we're engaged in a battle against. And you will going to hit it soon, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, another good verse to give us a good reminder. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshy, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare we're engaged in. So we first of all have the enemy, Satan, and the fallen angel, demonic forces. 
These are a clear, that's one of the main things that are warring against the Spirit's work of God wanting to use you and use me to share his love and to be a minister like we read about of of going out and, and sharing kindness and so on. You try and go and do something kind to someone, and, and sometimes poof, that's when the enemy floods in in that situation. All of a sudden they say some kind of cutting thing to you. Next thing you know, you're in this spat with them, and you're you know, carrying on, and you just go all the way all fleshed out from the whole event. You know. So let's talk about this. Number two, our own flesh. Your flesh, my flesh, our own flesh wars against the Spirit's work within our lives. Romans 8 Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That warring that takes place between the flesh and the spirit. Also Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, Paul says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that, the, that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There's this battle warring between the flesh and the Spirit. Your flesh, my flesh, our own drive and desire sometimes war against the Spirit's work, what God wants to do in and through our lives. The next one is the world around us. John 14, verse 30. Jesus said, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. The ruler of this world, and that's, again, the enemy, controlled by the enemy. But the world around us is something that, as it's controlled by the enemy, the world around us, it creates pressures because it's controlled by the enemy. God's ultimately in control, I understand, of the world, but it's more of the worldly mindset and, and the way things, what's the driving force in the decision-making processes around the world. Look at what greed has gotten you know, in, in our whole world. Look at what, what's happened from, from greed and stuff. We're seeing economies just crumbling all over the globe because of greed, really, ultimately. And mismanagement, right? I mean, we're just watching this happen all around us. And James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Beginning with verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that this 
Scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This warring that takes place of God's work and the worldly pressures around us. So you have these three main components that come against God in you. And God wants to do a work and use each and every one of us to greater and greater and greater capacities. God wants to do that. But the reality is, is how much are we going to let God have of our lives? I know we say, and and I I believe we intend for God, well, you've got my life all belongs to you and everything. But in reality, we we really maintain a lot of control over our circumstances. We try to anyway, and we try to handle all of our things ourselves. And these enemies are constantly pounding at us. Satan and the demonic forces, our flesh and, and the world around us. Uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 1, I'll read this because this is a good uh, thing to remember and to be cautious about that we don't want to end up in this spot. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, This I charge to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, and having, a, having faith and a good conscience. So this idea of that by them you may wage the good warfare, the intent with that statement is that you're engaged in a battle, right? The intent is that there's a battle going on and you're engaged in that battle. Paul's telling his disciple, Timothy, hey man, you know there's a battle going on. Stay in the battle. And he says, I want you to wage a good war for having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. And then he names them by name. He says, man, you know, these guys went off the deep end, man. They're they're shipwrecked in the faith. Can you imagine Paul the Apostle naming you in the word of God as someone who ended up shipwrecked in the faith? Oh, yikes, you know? But again, they didn't stay engaged in the battle. You see, it's not, I don't think it's easy to continue to follow God in the world in which we live. And it never has been. It's never been an easy journey in that sense. It's the best journey. It's the only journey. It's the only thing that really matters. It's a fight worth fighting for. Absolutely. But the reality is, is it's never just super easy. It doesn't go that, that way. Man, what a great word of caution. Not to, don't, don't end up shipwrecked. So we know that Satan in John 10.10, 10, we know that he's got uh, a, a mission, right? Satan's got a mission. What, it's good to know these things because if we know what his mission is and we know how he operates, then we can make sure we can stay engaged in the battle and be victorious in the Lord. That's the, the benefit of understanding this. Satan has a mission, John 10.10. 10. He, Satan, comes to rob, kill, and to destroy. That's his mission. He comes to rob, to kill, and destroy. And brothers and sisters, he doesn't care. He doesn't care who he uses, how he uses them. He doesn't care how old they are, how young they are. He doesn't doesn't care about anything. He will use anybody and anything to destroy any believer's life. Do you guys believe that? 
Do you believe that? I mean, that the enemy could care less about you or your wife or your family. He, he could absolutely care less. He is without scruples at all. You look at the worst situation that you've ever seen in the world, and you magnify that millions and millions of times over, and there maybe you're getting a slight glimpse of the enemy. Satan is a wicked, wicked foe, and he does not care who he uses or how he uses them. He wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to ruin your friendships that have anything to do with God. If you have a godly marriage, his MO is to rob, to kill, and to destroy. I mean, we can get angry about all this. We can get all worked up and all in a lather over all of it. But the reality is, man, that battle's won on our knees. That's how that battle gets won. By praying and seeking God and wanting to follow God with our whole hearts and letting God have the battle. It's his. And you know what? It was won. We're fighting from victory. You see, Satan is a paper lion. Formidable foe, but a paper lion. You see, Jesus conquered sin and death. Death, where is thy sting, Paul said. He conquered it on the cross. He's victorious. He conquered sin and death. You don't have to fear death because you're going as a follower to be in the presence of the living God. So that doesn't hang over our heads anymore. And the the nature that used to live within us, the sin nature that's there, but now God's spirit is dominant in our lives. That's what's supposed to happen when we, we get inverted and flipped right side up, basically. And we start following the Lord. What happens is, is that dominant force of, of God's presence in our lives is that protection. And that keeps us from, the enemy would say, oh yeah, well you know how you are. You want to go do that. But see, there's no control in that anymore. Satan can't control us through that. Or kind of, trying to threaten us, basically, you know, to do things or be certain ways. We don't have to respond to that. We have no obligation to respond to that anymore. It's a powerful, powerful truth. He has a mission. It's to rob, to kill, and to destroy. Now, inside of that mission, he uses a specific MO, and his MO has not changed for, if we want to use the biblical account, which I would prefer to use, if you want to use a billion-year account, I don't care. But according to the Bible, roughly 6,000 years account of his exact M.O. And it, brothers and sisters, it has not changed. How he does this has not changed. And so when I'm saying stay engaged in the battle, this is what I'm talking about. Stay in it. In a sense, you are in it. And David was in it, even though he didn't know he was in it. Except he just thought he was going to kick back because he deserved to kick back. And in so kicking back, he got taken out to some extent. So staying engaged is really, really important. Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Maybe listening to the message today, God was speaking to your heart. Here's an opportunity for you to just pray a simple prayer of faith. And just ask Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. Just pray along with me. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin. I want to be born again, and I want to follow you. 
when I ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life, that you would use me from this day forward for your glory and for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.